Hiya folks, how the hell are ya? I'm Kaylin. And I'm Houston, and you're listening to Crime or Reason. Good morning, afternoon, and night, guys. I hope we are doing fantastic on this day. Yes, good midday. Good midday. Yeah, it's midday for us right now. (laughs) Let us start real quick. Let me start real quick just by saying thank you guys so much for checking out the new podcast. I'm very, very happy with how many people have already seen it, and it's really, really exciting for me. So thank you guys so, so, so very much. It really gives me the motivation to do well with all of my podcasts so thank you guys for everything yes and then make sure that you are staying up to date with drunk with horror and then also make sure that you are looking forward to caitlin watch for that drop ace and uh the first week of october she will be dropping a deuce oh lord (laughs) she will be dropping her first episode on the first wednesday Wednesday. october so Look out for Stateside Zero. But yeah, thank you guys so much. I'm so incredibly, incredibly thankful to have you guys. And if you haven't checked it out, go ahead and get over there. So We love all of our listeners. You guys are the bestest. All of our listeners across everywhere. So Across everywhere. (laughs) Really, really everywhere. We are all over the world. (laughs) We are excited. Thanks for listening to our voices. We hate them. (laughs) we aren't actually going to spend too much time talking about anything else i just did want to touch base on that we're actually going to get in straight into this case so this is a case that i know very well i have done not only a lot of research about it but it's just a case that i've revisited often Mm -hmm. because it's wild and intense and i would dare say that it's the most horrific case that I have ever listened to and or researched. And if you're in the true true crime world, the crew crime world, you probably know yeah, a little bit about this case. It's definitely not like the most mainstream case, but it's pretty... Pretty high up there. Yeah, it's pretty well known. Yeah. So it's incredibly harrowing. It hurts so much to listen to. And like I said, it's the most horrific case that I have ever come into counter with and not even just from a research standpoint. I mean, like even before the podcast, listening to episodes about it, I was just like, this is heavy, fucking wild, awful. So terrible. Needless to say, we are bringing a lot of, yeah, to you all. So apologies, but October will be a great month. So yep. October is going to be the fun month. So we just got to get through the heavy for the rest of September and get there. I think it goes without saying, there's probably trigger warnings. The trigger warnings for this are intense, and they all have to do with the minor. I'm so sorry. I know. Here we go again. Yes. So it's, I don't want to say that we can find solace in the fact that it's not like a young minor, like the last episodes, but it's still a minor. That doesn't make it any, any better. Mm Mm-hmm. So the trigger warnings for this are going to be the grooming, abuse, murder, and torture of a minor. Just to let you know. Getting in that deep breath again. Yes. 
if you're not sure if you can stomach this, this is, you're probably not going to be able to. This is one of those ones where it's not teetering. Like, it's from wall to wall. Just yeah. horrific. If you're not into it, go check out our Reddit stories. Yeah, that was fun. Or What the Hell Houston? Literally anything. This is the most heavy and horrific case that we have done so far on this channel. And honestly, it'll probably stand that way for a while. Uh, I don't see us doing a case of this magnitude for a bit. Okay. So. Okay, I see you. Now, Kaylin, we listen to the same podcasts, so I am sure that you have heard this case. Mm -hmm. So, the case that we are doing is the Kellyanne Bates case. Mm. Yeah. It's not fun. Not live, laugh, loving it. Caitlin's face when she realized that I'm about to have to give her a grisly reminder of what the case was about when... Well, you've already brought me down this week, so... Yeah, yeah. This one somehow manages to be worse than the last case, and it's it's horrific, so... Scary. Again, if this is not for you, we totally get it, but there are trigger warnings all over this case, and specifically one part where I will then give another trigger warning, yes. so... Anyway, let's go ahead and get started. I would like to start off by saying that when I saw some of the resources, there were people calling her Kelly and other people calling her Kelly Ann. I will be calling her Kelly Ann because Kelly Ann is hyphenated mm -hmm. and that just feels like Kelly Ann. Feels like it needs to be said. Yeah. That so, way. Yep. That's not how you say it or if that's not how you heard it. I apologize. I don't think that there's any disrespect to me calling her Kelly Ann versus Kelly, you know, because that is her name. Yeah. So, and I know I'm not mispronouncing it. I'm just saying her middle name along with it. Mm -hmm. So I will be calling her Kellyanne for this. So let's talk about Kellyanne Bates. Kellyanne Bates was born May 18th, 1978 in Hattersley, a small town outside of Manchester, England. Now, when you look at a lot of places, it'll say that she was born in Greater Manchester. And then other people will say that she was born in Hattersley. But from what I could tell, she was born in Hattersley, and Hattersley is actually where she was living throughout her life. Okay. So her parents were Tommy and Margaret Bates. She had two siblings, both brothers named Andrew and Paul. She was described as being tomboyish and bubbly, very mature for her age, which is actually shown in the fact that she tended to hang out with like kids and friends that were older than her. Okay. She was super kind and caring and sweet. She was very helpful. She was, <laughs> help. 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 she was very helpful. She was also very opinionated, headstrong, and always thought she was correct. Oh, which, yes. Same. Love Kellyanne. It. Love it. <laughs> Literally me. She definitely had a good head on her shoulders, while sometimes she could be a bit hard-headed about her way or the highway. All? Yeah. While she could be a bit hard-headed about it being her way or the highway, she was very much a caring person who was just very sweet and cared about everybody. She was like a light, you know? Yeah. She was very into sports and she was even a goalie for a, like an adult woman's hockey team. Rocking it. Yeah, killing it. Tommy and Margaret raised their kids in a way that would allow them to be independent, mature, and also provide them with freedom. However, this is going to come back in a very haunting way. We're going to talk a bit about the timeline here. And just go through the timeline of when all of this started happening all the way up to the end. So, when Kellyanne was 14, she was at the home babysitting. And from what I could tell, it was like babysitting for like a family friend or something like that. Mm -hmm. 
And while she was there, she ended up meeting a guy named Dave Smith, who was a friend of the family that she was babysitting for. A friend of the family who she's babysitting for. Yes, Dave is a friend of the family that she is babysitting for. Gotcha. And he was there, and he was a bit older. A bit? We'll find out. And he wanted to keep her safe, so he ended up walking her home so that she would be safe on the walk home. Keep her, quote-unquote, safe, Right. right? And they actually started talking a lot and communicating a lot, and then... While she was still 14, they actually started a relationship. She had mentioned this to her parents about having a boyfriend, but she never went into much detail at all. So mm-hmm. they were just like, they. she would, you know, drop Dave's name every now and then, you know, just say like some stuff about him, but just nothing much. Casually? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so they just didn't think anything about it. They were like, it's probably a friend from school or whatnot. Yeah. After a while, though, there ended up being a shift in Kellyanne's behavior. She began to communicate less with her parents, as well as sneaking out of the house. And due to her behavior, Dave was actually communicating with her parents via phone, expressing his concerns for her actions. And he was just like, you know, like, I'm worried about her. She's been acting weird. And this ended up creating a feeling of relief and appreciation for Dave because they were like, oh, you know, she has somebody who's an influence in her life. That and wants what's best for her. You influence, know? right? Yeah. Not, yeah. A, not a good influence. I, but at the time, they were like, you know, like, she, she's she got this good influence who, like, cares uh, about her and wants to make sure that, you know, right. he's fine. They were like, we, okay. you know. Parents worry, but yeah. they weren't. She's currently worrying. Well, I mean, she did have a, a shift and they were, you know, starting to worry about that. But, but he was talking to them. Yeah. So it's... And he was comfortable, right? right? Because he was expressing concern about the behavior too. Mm -hmm. Like you guys are seeing behavior changes. So am I, and I'm Mm -hmm. worried. And so they were like, okay, you know, like he wants what's best for, you know, this is a good friend. This is a good influence on her. This whole time they're in a relationship. And at the age of 16, Kellyanne finally introduces Dave to her parents. And would you believe that they were in utter shock to find out that Dave was a 32 year old man. 32? Twice her age. Whoa. Uh-huh. Whoa. Whoa. Margaret even said at first sight of him, the hairs on the back of her neck stood up. Yeah. She had a weird feeling. She she just didn't feel great about it. Who would? Right. Ugh. I mean, that's just... Could you imagine? I no. couldn't. I couldn't imagine. You think it's like this innocent little crush from school the whole right, time. Right, and your child. Right. There is a bit of... Me wondering how they were talking to him and on, talking to him on the phone, not knowing how old he was by the sound of his voice. But you know, maybe we don't know how he sounded. Yeah. We do not know how Dave Smith sounded. So I'm not going to put much blame there. I'm not going to put much blame anywhere, but mm-hmm. like specifically on that, you know, like we don't know what he sounded like on those phone calls. So. Right. But as much as her parents were disgusted, they were also afraid of pushing Kellyanne away. Now, Especially if she was in that situation where she her attitude was changing. Right. Like, you have to be very... You have to tread carefully. Well, and we also have to understand at this point, she was 16, so she was the age of consent. Yeah. At the time. So they didn't want to push her further away from them, but also push her closer to, to him. Yeah. So they agreed that Kellyanne would be able to continue to see Dave 
hoping that eventually the romance would just fizzle out all the while they will keep a close eye on the situation to make sure nothing awry happens. Mm-hmm. Margaret, after all this, was quoted saying, however, he was much older than I was expecting, and this wasn't the man that I wanted for my daughter. I vividly recall seeing our bread knife in the kitchen and wanting to pick it up and stab him in the back. Okay. And I was mama's like, got the, that's fair. Mama's got the vibes. Right. But, she knows. But again, you can't commit murder. <laughs> and also, she was the edge of consent, so I feel like they probably get a bunch of backlash for how they handled the situation but again guys with that with that age of consent i mean she really could have just packed up and left yeah she could have just headed on out and they would have pushed her further away right you have to walk a fine line yeah as a parent when it comes to and they were trying their best and like i said they were raising their kids to be like independent and make their own decisions so Mm -hmm. while they kind of like sit back but still keep an eye on things and that's what they tried to do with this situation Now, as the relationship continued further, Dave became controlling, as we could expect. He was constantly checking in on her, wanting to always know what she was doing. He even knew exactly how much time it took for her to make it home from leaving his house. So he would call to make sure after that amount of time so that he would know that she wasn't out doing something he didn't know about. Red flag. Uh-huh. While Kellyanne was convinced this was because Dave was a protective and caring boyfriend, her parents saw it for exactly what it was. Margaret, who is obviously in distress at this time, begins to find out any and all information that she possibly can about who Dave is. Like, she's like, I need to figure out who Dave Smith is. Mm -hmm. Now, this ended up proving pretty difficult, as no one in the local area had ever heard of him, despite him being from that area as well. Wow. So she's going around, and she's like, Dave Smith, Dave Smith, you know, what's what's going on? And everybody's like... Who? Right. Like, who's Dave Smith? This ended up being because Dave Smith wasn't actually a real person, but was an alias put on to Kellyanne's family because Dave was actually James Patterson Smith, a.k.a. Jimmy. And to make things worse, he was not 32. He was 32 years older than Kellyanne. What? He was 48. This man was one year older than her father. Older than her father? Yes. Oh. Three times her age. I just got sick to my stomach. Yeah. How did... So they told her parents that he was 32, though? Yes. Yes. This... Dave Smith was Dave 32. Smith was 32. I see. Now, when you look at this man, he, under no circumstances, looked even 32. There's only one real photo that we know exists. No. Yeah. Under what circumstances? What did she... He must have been really charming. Yeah. Well, and that, and she... I mean, she was young. She was She young. was mature. Mm-hmm. She was mature for her age. However, she was also, like, just always smiling. Literally and everything. What a beautiful girl. And here's that other photo that people are seeing that looks like him. Does he not look like the thin man? He kind of looks like Frankenstein. He looks like something. Like something. So it turns out this whole time that James used Dave Smith as a cover-up for his violent past, which included an abusive relationship with his ex-wife of 10 years, a girlfriend whom he got pregnant, oh, he had a kid, and attempted to drown, and a 
15-year-old girlfriend that he had, whom he also attempted to drown. Oh my goodness. These girls. These poor girls. I know. It's so sad. And that this man was just able to go so long. And especially to commit the atrocity that he ends up committing in this Mm -hmm. case. James was honestly disgusting. He didn't bathe much and overall had very poor hygiene. He was also incredibly lazy and unemployed. Which is... I'm a bit confused how he was able to do anything. Right. Like... And it was... And at this point, James really started affecting Kellyanne's life in a very negative way. Mm-hmm. She stopped taking care of herself as well. Her self-esteem was completely shot. She was leaving the house for days at a time and started to heavily recluse herself from her family. Oh, no. Then her family started to notice signs of physical abuse. She was coming home with cuts, bruises, bumps, and even bite marks on her body. So her mother would confront her about this, obviously, but Kellyanne always had some sort of excuse for her entries. One time, her mother saw that half of Kellyanne's face had been beaten and bruised, but Kellyanne just said that she had been jumped by a group of girls from school. From school. She was still, yeah. She was still in school. Like, some of these excuses that she had was when she got bit, when she had the bite mark, mm-hmm. her excuse was she fell while she was waiting for the bus. How? She... That doesn't correlate with a bite mark. Exactly. Oh, wow. It's just, I mean, she's still so young. I mean, she's literally 16 at this point. Now, it was then her parents finally decided that they were going to put a stop to this relationship. So they told Kellyanne that she was no longer allowed to see James, which they had refrained from doing this entire time because of fear that they would completely push her away from them and into James's arms. Their fear ended up coming true, however, because Kellyanne eventually left their home and moved in with James. After moving in with James, Kellyanne's family began to see her less and less, They would sometimes only have contact with her in the forms of cards for special events, for special events, such as Mother's Day, anniversaries, birthdays. And while the cards were all signed by Kellyanne, it wasn't in her handwriting. So her family believed that it was actually James who was signing the cards, just sending it off to make them think that everything was okay. So controlling. Yep. And at one point, they even talked about how they were going to go over there and get her. Like, we're going to get her. We're going to bring her home. She's coming home with us. You know, we haven't seen her. We haven't really heard from her. And then her brother came home and said that one of his friends had actually seen Kellyanne hound about and that she was fine. And so they ended up not going. Oh, no. Sadly, one day, the police showed up to Margaret and Tommy's house to inform them that Kellyanne had actually passed away. And in that moment, they knew instantly that James was the one who killed her. Yeah. We're going to move on to the scene. On April 16th, 1996, James went to the police station to report that Kelly Ann, who was 17 at the time, had drowned in a bathtub after they had had an argument. However, when the police arrived to the home, they walked in on a horrifically gruesome scene. Mm -hmm. Kelly was found naked, tortured, and completely unrecognizable due to the numerous and intense injuries of her body. The biggest of trigger warnings that I will probably ever give on this channel. This is the worst thing. Can I? Can I skip ahead three, four, or five minutes? No, no, you have to sit right there. Mm. But skip ahead and just miss this part because it's intense. Just know that it is absolutely gruesome and horrific. Kellyanne had been imprisoned and tortured 
for at least three to four weeks prior to her murder. Her blood was found throughout the entire house, literally in every single room on the floors up the walls. She had been bound to furniture and even a radiator, sometimes by ligatures and other times by her hair. They actually found hair on the radiator where she was tied to the radiator by her hair. With her hair? Yes. Oh my gosh. She was completely dehydrated because she wasn't given water several days before her death and was starved, losing somewhere around 20 kilograms, which would be about 44 pounds. She had suffered over 150 individual injuries to her body. Individual. That means 100 distinct yet individual injuries. And we're going to talk about some of those injuries now. Here is what she had endured during her torture. Her arm was fractured. Her knees had been kicked in. Both of her hands had been crushed. There was ligature injuries to her neck. She was stabbed several times with knives, scissors, and forks. She had wounds that were caused by a spaded shovel and pruning shears. She was scalded on her left leg and her buttocks from hot water. Her thighs had been burned with an iron. Her face and genitalia had been mutilated. Stab wounds were found inside of her mouth. She was partially scalped, and this is the worst. Both eyes had been gouged out by force of hand. And it was later said by the pathologist that she was alive when this happened, and she was alive for no less than five days, but up to three weeks before her death, which means... She lived at least five days with her eyes gouged out, but it, so... but it could have been up to three weeks. I'm so sick. Yeah, it's literally awful. And then, to really make it worse, she was then stabbed in her empty eye sockets. They found, like, stabbed wounds inside of her eye sockets. I'm, like, getting, like, full yeah. body, like, yuckies. Yeah. Like, it's so nauseating. Like, I'm sick to my stomach. Mm -hmm. Especially reading it out loud. I was sick to my stomach, obviously, anytime I've heard it. But it's, like, having to go through and actually say it out loud. It just makes it so much worse. Finally, she had been beaten in the head with a shower head to the point of unconsciousness. And it is believed that this is when she died immediately after. Not because of being beat to unconsciousness with the shower head. But she was in the shower And it is believed that she slipped under the water and ended up drowning. So her cause of death was actually drowning. Was drowning, She lived through all of that and didn't die until she drowned after possibly being unconscious after she was literally beaten with the showerhead. The pathologist who examined her body was quoted saying, In my career, I've examined almost 600 victims of homicide and have never come across injuries so extensive. Now, her father ended up having to be the one to identify her body. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. After which, her mother was quoted saying, People called him an animal, but an animal wouldn't do that to another animal. I think about how much pain she must have been in and how much she must have thought that we didn't love her because we didn't save her. Which, could you imagine the guilt that this family's feeling? Yeah, that's heart-wrenching. 
And that's what's so sad is because so many people are constantly going after their character and and how they parented. And while I think there's mistakes made, there's always parenting mistakes made no matter who you are. Nobody's a perfect parent. They really, I feel like, were doing what they thought that they could do best, especially with her being able to make some of those decisions on her own because of, you know, her age. Yeah, they couldn't they couldn't have ever known the extent of how awful of a human that man was. Right. Now, Kellyanne was laid to rest the day before her 18th birthday. There was actually a photo of her gravestone, and her gravestone read, Precious and treasured memories of Kellyanne Bates, beloved daughter of Tommy and Margaret, much-loved sister of Andrew and Paul, sadly missed by family and friends, born 18th of May, 1978, taken from us 16th of May, 1996, forever a bright light shining in our hearts. I've got chills. Yeah. Like I said, guys, reading this, like, the research is hard, but having to read it out loud, it makes it even worse. It's, it's awful to hear the things that have happened to these people. And as soon as you said it, what was written on her grave, all I could think about was her smile, like how pretty. Yeah. And how big she was smiling in those pictures. And I think it really is hard to kind of sit back and wonder what she must have gone through. Yeah. Like, there is no way of knowing what she went through. Now, we're going to go ahead and move on to the trial. During the trial, James remained that he was innocent, blaming Kellyanne even by saying that she would purposely anger him and mock him about his deceased mother, and that she would even hurt herself to make him look bad. He then went on to say that he tortured her because she dared him to, which he was ta- which he took as her challenging him. No, sir. I don't care. Like, I could dare you to push me off a fucking bridge, and you're not going to fucking do it if you're a decent human. Exactly. Like, and I doubt she said, hey, I dare you to rip my fucking eyes out. Ugh. Like, dude, you are literal shit. Yes. Like the actual epitome of shit. He is a monster. Basically, his whole defense was an insult to injury for the family. Yeah. You know, doing all this and being like, oh, well, it was her fault. Yeah. She would just make me angry sometime. The prosecutor, Peter Openshaw, stated, It was as if he deliberately disfigured her, causing her the utmost pain, distress, and degradation. The injuries were not a result of one sudden eruption of violence. They must have been caused over a long period of time and were so extensive and so terrible that the defendant must have deliberately and systematically tortured the girl. Her death must have been a merciful end to her torment. Could you imagine, like, going through everything that she did and then, like, when she got knocked out, like, that was the first time that she wasn't dealing with any of that. Yeah. She, and she dealt with this for... You said four weeks? Probably, it says possibly. at least like three to four weeks. Needless to say, the jury decided pretty quickly. It I li- don't think they had a defense. At all. There's zero defense for that. Right. I tortured and killed this girl and then it's her fault. So it only took the jury an hour to deliberate. And it was then that James Patterson Smith was found guilty and convicted of the charge of murder of Kelly Ann Bates. On August 19th, 1997, 
the judge sentenced him to life before saying, this is a terrible case, a catalog of depravity by one human being upon another. You are a highly dangerous person. You are an abuser of women, and I intend so far as in my power that you will abuse no more. Good judge. Mm -hmm. Now, because of the intensity of this case, the jury was offered counseling, and every single juror took the counseling. Like, every one of them. I would say so. Yeah. I mean, you got, they had to go through looking at all the pictures of her, of all her injuries, of, of having to listen to him talk about how it was her fault. Right. I mean. I don't think there could have been a juror on no, that jury. No, no. Yeah. I wonder if they're given the option to, like, step out. I have no clue. I would have had to have been like, I'm sorry. I There's no way. Yeah. Power to the jurors who stayed because yes, it could not be me. Yes, more power to those people who, who were able to sit through it and. Thank God for counseling. Now, I do want to say that while he got life in prison, it was recommended that he serve at least 20 years. I don't know how the law works over there. That's over there in the UK. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it works. But that means that 20 years after his conviction, he could have gotten out. In some sources, it also said 25 years. I saw it back and forth. I saw 20 years more. Not enough. Right. But in some sources, it did say 25 Now, I did see in an article from 2021 Mm -hmm. that he was still serving his time, which would have put him past the 20-year mark because he was convicted on April 19th, 1997. Mm -hmm. So that would have been 2017. Right. So I wonder if they're able to be appealed, maybe? I'm sure. Maybe. However... Except for, like parole or appeal right now if it's 25 years like i saw in some cases that would be this year like that would have been in april Mm -hmm. and i haven't seen anything i can't really find anything other than the fact that like he's in jail or that he went to jail and i didn't find anything newer than like 2021 so i don't know what happened if anything happened with him this year Uh i haven't seen anything but i feel like if he did get out or even if he was just trying to appeal it and trying to, you know, get parole, somebody, like, it would have been somewhere. Yeah. I wonder how old would that put him now? How old was he? 48? I think it would have put him, like, after the trial and everything, it would have made him 69. So he's getting up there. Yeah. So I do want to briefly talk about the parents at the end. And this will be the last bit of the case that we'll talk about. Tommy and Margaret still have not seen the autopsy report. Margaret even said, Every now and again, I phone the coroner and ask for the postmortem report, but each time I back out, I can't face it. I never will. No. No parent should ever have to face that. Right. I agree. 100%. Like, that's, like, nobody should expect you to, nobody should ask you to, and it's completely understandable if you don't. Sadly, Margaret actually died just before Christmas in 2020. Mm. So that's been, you know, within the past couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Rest her soul because you know that she went to her she grave just feeling so awful. All the way through it for the entirety of her life past what happened. Right. So that brings us to the end of the case. 
but I do want to touch and talk real quick about domestic violence and abuse. Mm -hmm. It is incredibly, incredibly important that if you were able to get help in any sort of way to try and we want to encourage you if you were able to safely get yourself out of that situation, if you or anyone you love or anyone you know is going through those situations, you know, to get them out because it's a horrendous situation for yep. anybody to be in. And and I feel so bad for those victims of domestic violence and abuse because you know that something is keeping them there and it's hard for them to get out. And and it's hard because, you know, they're being forced to stay there. They're mm -hmm. being manipulated. And, and that's what I hate. I hate it when and we... And it's like, they can constantly get hurt and get hurt and get hurt. But then that person can control them so much where they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. Like, right. stuff like that. Like, it's just... And that's what awful. I hate because, like, people victim blame. And I'm... That's the fucking worst. Do not yeah. victim blame at all. You don't know what, what they're going through, what manipulation is happening, mm -hmm. what is keeping them there. Yeah, there could be threats on their family. Like you don't know what's keeping them there. So do not be like, well, why, why do you still stay with them? That's bullshit. Help, help them get out. Right. Exactly. So I do want to say that if you or someone you know, someone you love, is experienced domestic violence and domestic abuse. You can actually call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. 1-800-799-7233. Or, if you can't get a phone call, if text might be easier for you, mm -hmm. you can text START to 88788. Again, text START to 88788. Definitely reach out. Reach out to anybody in any way that you can. Make sure that you are taking care of yourself. Yeah. Hell, reach out to us. Reach out to us. We will we will do anything in our power because nobody should have to go through this. And there's no real way to leave you guys, I guess, on a happy note. This is just, it's so gut-wrenching. It's such a hard case all the way around. But we just hope that you guys take care of yourselves and everyone around you and just love everybody. Don't be a dick. Don't be an abuser. Don't be a victim blamer. Just don't be an asshole, dude. And don't do this. Yeah, absolutely not. Under no circumstance. With that being said, we hope you come back and see us. Make sure to check us out on all of our social medias. And that's at crumb or reason. And our Gmail is crumb or reason at gmail.com. And just come hang out with us again soon. Also, if you feel so inclined, give us a, a like and a rating and a, and a comment. Let us know how we're doing. Please let us know how we're doing. We want to know. We need some feedback so we can figure out what we got going on. Yeah, we don't care if it's good or bad. We just want you to tell us exactly how you feel. Please, please. So thank you so much for all of y'all's support. We are forever and always very appreciative of that. Enjoying the love from you guys. We love it. Other than that, we hope that you stay safe. Stay healthy. And stay criminal. criminal. Bye, everybody. Bye.